Good evening, everyone. I'm Joan Collins, and I am going to be completely uncensored tonight. Giles, I'll have my drink now. So, cheers. Roll the titles. Good evening, I'm Piers Morgan Uncensored. Tonight, Tory MPs begin to turn on Boris Johnson. Is it time to stop taking the knee? We'll debate that. And the legendary Dame Joan Collins is here, live and unleashed. I'm already feeling nervous. But first, it's my brain dump. Well, we're now just a week away from the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, a four-day celebration of Britain's greatest ever monarch and her 70 glorious years on the throne. I'm genuinely excited about this. I mean, all the hideously depressing news at the moment, war, school shootings, economic crisis. This is a chance for my country to put a smile on the world's face by doing what we do best, pomp, pageantry and one hell of a party. It's also time to pay tribute to a remarkable 96-year-old woman who's always represented the very best of British values, dignity, humility, hard work, stoicism, selfless duty and the stiff upper lip. Unfortunately, jetting in next week are a royal couple who represent the complete opposite, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, the southern England county that I come from, incidentally, where they spent precisely three hours, are a pair of undignified, whining, hypocritical, virtue-signalling, selfish wastrels. The privacy-demanding, poverty-preaching, carbon-conscious couple will fly 5,000 miles, spewing 1.5 metric tonnes of CO2 emissions from their $11 million mansion in California, accompanied, of course, by the Netflix documentary Camera Crew, currently recording their every move for a Kardashian-style reality show. The emissions of most concern to me, however, are the noxious, toxic fumes they will inevitably emit from the moment they land here and try to make the jubilee all about themselves. Banished from the Buckingham Palace balcony for the Trooping of the Colour opening celebrations next Thursday, it's now been reported they will nevertheless be at, uh, with the Queen at a Thanksgiving service in St Paul's Cathedral on Friday, billed as the biggest royal gathering since their wedding. And I'm already shuddering at the thought of how this fame-hungry duo will hijack the headlines from the woman who should be getting them, purely to cement their rival royal brand and satisfy, of course, their Netflix paymasters. The only place I want to see them, beside the Queen in public, is at Madame Tussauds. Frankly, I'm also bemused they're flying here at all, given that Meghan's father, Thomas, lies seriously ill in hospital after suffering a stroke. Meghan and Harry love to preach about compassion, uh, yet they show none of it to their own families. If they had an ounce of real compassion, they'd cancel their trip to the Jubilee and visit Thomas Markle in hospital. That would be the first time, incredibly, that Harry would have ever met his father-in-law. But that would also mean missing the chance to further exploit their royal status for big bucks. And that ain't going to happen. In a blazing protest against cancel culture, best-selling author and feminist firebrand Margaret Atwood has created a one-of-a-kind burn-proof copy of her book The Handmaid's Tale, which she's auctioning to promote free expression. Besides being a very clever publicity stunt, she makes a very good point. It's a scary moment in our cultural evolution, with people lining up to cancel books 
they consider problematic. Where have we seen this before? Oh, yes, Nazi Germany. This is what happens when societies go fascist. Schools in the US have deshelved books like Of Mice and Men and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn over apparent racism concerns in the UK universities of Act Shakespeare and attempts to decolonize creative writing. We've even seen classics like To Kill a Mockingbird sidelined for promoting a white saviour narrative. But it was published in 1937. Of course, it's dated. These are not manuals, now we ought to think now. They're works of literature that reflect the times in which they're written. It's teachers' jobs to provide context and inspire debate, not indoctrinate our kids by only teaching today's wonky, woke values. Because guess what? As Ricky Gervais always tries to tell them, those values today will soon be outdated too. Well, Catherine Burblesing, who's a prominent head teacher at a school in London, has spoken out to say she's worried that some classics will disappear altogether. Eventually, she says, we will do away with cultural icons like Shakespeare. I do think that dead white men are really important. Now, she's not against adding more black female authors to the curriculum, as she points out she is a black woman. But she thinks there's still a lot to learn from dead white men. And she's right. Who wouldn't want our children to bask in the beautiful words of these literary giants? If music be the food of love, play on. Shakespeare, of course. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, the great Charles Dickens. And the world's gone nuts. I think you'll all agree, a, a classic. It's just I'm not actually dead yet. She was the face of US daytime television for almost 20 years and also the self-appointed face of the hashtag Be Kind movement. Busy work, but then having two faces has never been a problem for Ellen DeGeneres, whose final show airs in America today. Here she is at her most insufferable. Thank you for being here. You're here on a special day, I'll tell you that. Today, I don't know if you know this, but it's World Kindness Day. Yes, it is. Since I preach kindness every day, this is a big one for me. This is like my Super Bowl or, or my <laughs> World Series or my... I don't know any other sports, that's all. Well, Ellen's show is billed as an oasis of calm and kindness where celebrities were her best friends and lavish donations transformed the lives of the most deserving in society. It even had a logo reading, be kind to each other. The only problem was that behind the scenes, she was just about the least kind person in the history of global television. Staff reportedly endured an endless toxic bullying culture of discrimination and sexual harassment, for which she eventually issued a grovelling on-air apology. This tweet from the archives aged about as well as an open yoghurt in the desert. I made one of my employees cry like a baby on today's show. Honestly, it felt good. Now, she might have been joking, but that's exactly what was going on behind the scenes. So, goodbye and good riddance, Ellen, because like so many woke celebrities, you're a complete fraud. Here on Uncensored, we'd like to support the little guy, the people who slog and toil through every hardship to keep the world spinning. And tonight, I want to pay tribute to the people who do the very worst jobs in the world. There are quite a few candidates. The cow backside inspector, for example, or Boris Johnson's secretary for defending the indefensible, Mr Chaps. It could be the cleaner of this warehouse. But we do have a late entry and, I think, a definite winner. How about being the other half to the world's worst celebrity narcissist? Madonna, age 63, is reportedly auditioning for a new boy toy after spilling from her 28-year-old backing dancer lover, presumably because he's now far too old. A source close to the cringe-making singer said the thought of grey hair or wrinkles is a massive turn-off. What she wants is a hard-bodied, hot guy in his late 20s. Right. But has anyone given any thought to what that poor guy is going to have to deal with? <laughs> Me gusta.
Whoever that poor guy turns out to be, I wish him all the very best of luck because he's going to need it. Well, some desperately sad breaking news now. Irma Garcia was one of the two teachers killed alongside 19 children in the horrific Texas school shooting on Tuesday. Today, her husband, Joe Garcia, has died of a reported heart attack. They were high school sweethearts. They were married for 24 years and they have four children, two boys and two girls, ranging from 12 to 23. Irma's nephew, John Martinez, tweeted to say, Joe Garcia has passed away due to grief. I truly am at a loss for words for how we're all feeling. Please pray for our family. God have mercy on us. This isn't easy. Just unbelievably sad to go with the already unbelievable sadness of what happened. Well, next tonight, four more Conservative MPs have called for Prime Minister Boris Johnson to quit after the damning report into illegal lockdown parties in Downing Street. But joining me now is Talk TV political editor Kate McCann. Uh, Kate, you're in the corridors of power and probably a hotbed of seething gossip right now. It doesn't actually quite that seething, just you at the moment. But what is going on? Because there's been a steady trickle of Tory MPs today chucking Boris under the bus. Is it going to build momentum, Miss? Could it get to the 54 required to put in letters to call a leadership contest? Well, Piers, I think the Prime Minister really does have to be quite worried about what you call a steady trickle because it's the quiet ones that we're starting to hear from. And that's always a worrying point in time when you start to hear from MPs who, let's be honest, some of us may need to uh, do a quick Google until we can recognise. And I have to tell you, in the last half an hour, we've got a new one to add to that list of the four that you mentioned that have put themselves forward today to criticise Boris Johnson. That's Philip Dunn. Now, he hasn't quite said that he's put his letter in yet, but he has said that the Prime Minister has lost the benefit of the doubt after that Partygate revelation and the report that we saw yesterday. And you are so right, Piers. It is a real problem for Boris Johnson because while he does have to reach that number of 54, it's not just the ones that we're hearing from in public. It's the people behind the scenes, those Tories who've been pretty steadfast, who are quite quiet. They might not be those household names who are starting to question whether he's the right man for the job. Particularly, I have to say, after the meeting that Boris Johnson held yesterday with his MPs, the 1922 committee, always very rowdy, lots of banging on desks to show the party is well behind him. But they might have laughed at his jokes and he told a couple of uh, pretty close to the bone ones, one about Churchill being drunk in number 10 and one about tractor pornography. They laughed in public, but behind the scenes, they're not laughing. They are uncomfortable. They are not happy. And you mentioned how quiet it is here. It would usually be busier than this in Central Lobby, but we are in recess. Mm. And that's a really difficult time for Boris Johnson because all the MPs have gone to their constituencies. Will they come back having had their hearts grow fonder or will they have cemented their opinion on him? And could we see more letters? The question it's, he doesn't yet know the answer to. Yeah, it's a fascinating time. And I think the calculation the Tory MPs will be making is if they are going to do him in, when is the right time to do it? Because they won't want to go for a contest that Boris then wins, because that would mean he'd lead them into the next election. So it's, uh, it's the old ruthless game of quiet chess going on. But, Kate, thank you very much indeed. Appreciate it. <laughs> Well, I'm joined now by Conservative commentator Esther Cracker, along with comedian and feminist activist Kate Smirthwaite. Well, welcome to both of you. Um, this situation with Boris Johnson, mm -hmm. Kate, I mean, what's your, your view about Partygate? For everyone who says, mm -hmm. as I believe, it's absolutely disgraceful what was going on mm -hmm. there and a smack in the teeth to all the families mm -hmm. who made so much sacrifice, 
There are other people, my sons and others, you know, especially younger generation, who go, for God's sake, it was just a few parties, get on with it. We're in an economic crisis, there's war, there are mass shootings, get a grip, all of you. Well, I mean, first of all, if there's all that you're right, there's all these important situations going on. And the first thing I would quite like in those circumstances is for the Prime Minister to sober up so that he can actually deal with those circumstances. I was horrified not just by the law breaking, which was horrifying, and the disregard for the well-being of people around the country who were missing out on family events and, and really like life-changing moments, but also the fact that he was supposed to be sorting out the biggest crisis this country no. has faced for, for decades. And it seems like instead they were singing karaoke and handing out cake and drinking. Well, that's the thing. Drinks and, and right, yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't get my Esther, job done if I behaved like that. Right, so. and I think the thing that got to me, uh, Esther, was was this line he said about he felt it was his duty mm. to go to these massive parties on a Friday to say goodbye to his staffers who were leaving. A duty. I mean, this was a duty that he denied other people not to go partying, yep. but to go and see dying loved ones in hospital. That was what you couldn't do at the time. You couldn't go and see your dying loved ones, but which is the ultimate duty for any human being. The idea he equate duty in that context to leaving parties struck me particularly crass. But you know what I find even more fascinating is the fact that a few weeks before, he almost allegedly died from COVID. He was walking around with that, you know, gas mm. mask, and he, he clearly, you know, suffered quite badly from it. So why weren't there, why wasn't everyone all scared of getting it? Right. right? The, why was why was the mood in in Westminster so nonchalant about well, this virus? Was it just theatre? Was pregnant exactly and was potentially putting her mm. at risk, and he'd been wandering around hospitals without wearing gloves or a mask. I mean, he, it, it's like he didn't think it was dangerous, even though yeah, he should have been super yeah. super. I mean, that is the point, isn't it? Is that it's the hypocrisy, but also it's the fact that everyone who had suspicions about how dangerous COVID was looks at all these passes and thinks, with the people drawing up these draconian rules, yeah. the biggest breakdown of our freedoms in my lifetime, if the people doing that weren't taking them seriously themselves, how dangerous could it have been? And the problem with that is, if we get another pandemic, which we may well do, yeah, exactly. why is anyone going to trust the British Prime Minister and his team if that's what they did well, last set, time. it's set a dangerous precedent, hasn't it? Because now we can't trust anything that the, the, the Tory government comes out with. Mm -hmm. But I think one thing that makes me even sadder is actual decent Conservative MPs that are now being tainted by this disgusting scandal. You know, they say the fish rots from the head. And I don't think people realise how toxic... Boris is now for the Conservative right. Party because there are decent uh, MPs within the party that have to deal with this. And you say that as a Conservative. Well, yeah, but I, this is the thing. I think if you generally want the best for your country, Conservative, Liberal, wherever you lean, you want to see leadership that's at least respectable. Yeah, I at think, least competent and respectable. Exactly. I might disagree with what the Conservatives are doing and I wholeheartedly exactly. do. I was, mm. I was so against austerity. I was so against Brexit. I was so against so many things that they've, you know, ploughed ahead with and the, and the destruction that so many of those things have caused and the way that they're failing to deal with the cost of living crisis. But, you know, if you're going to adopt policies, which I don't agree with, at least do it in a competent way. At right. least understand what you're doing, look at what the consequences might be, be in a position to To me, there's to nothing more damaging. There's nothing more damaging, actually, for any public figures, but particularly for a prime minister, to preach one thing to the public and do the complete opposite behind closed doors. Yeah. It's the ultimate death knell. This brings me to... My, two of my favourite people, Meghan and Harry. <laughs> the Platinum Jubilee begins a week today, a four-day celebration. They're famously now flying in. Um, here's my problem with this, and I know we've had a debate about this before. Mm -hmm. My worry about this is they're going to hijack the whole thing. They've got their Netflix 
crew with them making this documentary. They're going to try and make it all about them because that promotes their royal but brand. I didn't even know they were which going makes all the money. until you put it on your show. I found out. Yeah, but it's out front page. It's out front page of all the papers. Everyone knows. Yeah, how, how can you miss it? And here's, <laughs> but, 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 I mean, yeah, but the point Kate, is Kate, that it's my only problem. a story because because the media no, it's not. It's not. Of course, it's not. Of course, they want to go. So the Netflix cameras has nothing to do with it. That wouldn't have been a story if Netflix is following around. Let me be clear, Esther. It's your life, and you're entitled to document it if you want to. Sure. If I want to write the story of my life, I should have the. What you can't do, you can't preach about privacy all the time and moan about the media, and then have a 24/7 Kardashian-style. No, you can write your story, but that's not want people filming in your bedroom. You can be a blazing hypocrite. No, that's not true. You can choose to sell your autobiography and choose not to have what you do in the comfort of your own home filmed. You know, you have you absolutely. In this case, they're doing both. To draw your own mind around Just in the last few minutes, breaking news has been on the papers, on the websites, that Meghan Markle, for reasons I find completely baffling, has turned up (laughs) at the scene of the mass shooting in America, in in, in Texas, to to put flowers down, uh, Evaldi. I don't know why she's there... And I could have asked one thing. So you're now angry with her for visiting the site. I don't know what she's doing there. I'm confused. I'm confused. Was she lost? She flew all the way to Texas. She flew all the way to Texas, it seems, to ladies first. My question is this, Esther. I don't know what she's doing there, other than it seems self-promoting. And if the Netflix cameras are following her to do something like this, I would find that unbelievably distasteful. Yeah, listen, I would like to give her the benefit of the doubt just because... You know, this is this is a tragedy that has moved everyone. That she's not doing this um, as a form of self-promotion. However, if there are cameras, if there are Netflix cameras, then clearly she is. For for the the this jubilee, I don't think it has to be about them if we don't make it about them, right? But there are caveats to that. The, there should be no Netflix cameras anywhere near Buckingham right. Palace. They should chuck them in the Thames. Prince Andrew should be kept in a crypt. They should do one public event. This is about the Queen. This is about her decades of service. And no, it doesn't totally have to agree. be about them if we don't make it about them. But on the other on the other hand, they should understand that it's also about the Queen. They, they were in the royal family. They were active royals for all of three days. They have left... They're not active royal family mm. members now. I don't even see why they should do the whole public balcony scene. But fine, it's the Queen's request. Well, they're not but on the balcony, not, actually. Is it not? Uh, are they no, not but they are going to go to St Paul's Cathedral. I mean, here's the thing, Kate. I, my problem with them is I think there's a constant pressure from their American paymasters for them to deliver stuff, material, about their connection to the royals. And this is about the Queen next week. It's all about these two. But you can just see already, if she's flying to a mass shooting scene... Mm. If there are cameras in tow for this, it's all distasteful, isn't it? I just think whatever she does, you just you just, you just don't like it. Like I, I don't. But you've won. She's left the country. <laughs> no, no. Over it. And, and here's I the didn't thing. want to leave the country. Here's the, here's the fundamental thing. I didn't, I didn't thing. want to leave the country. Oh, I wrote well, on the day of their wedding. You were pretty wedding, horrendous about her for the, a long, well, no, long time, and actually, then she left actually, the country. Well, I'll tell you why. Because actually, on the wedding day. I wrote a big piece for the Mail on Sunday saying it was a wonderful day for the country, brilliant for the royal family. We had our first biracial member of the royal family. And then she disowned her father, who right now, right now in America, no. is, is actually in a very serious condition after a massive stroke. But you have no idea Why is she about not the relationship her between those two people. Somebody's private family is absolutely none of your business. If somebody chooses not to What about when she talks about it on national con- television? I, I, if somebody I, I, chooses not to stay in contact with family They trash their families member, on Oprah then Winfrey. You, then you absolutely have to understand that They trash their families on Oprah Winfrey. Right, exactly. They make the family exactly. public, and, and so if public they, consumption. If they complained about their family and, and, and then she went to see him, you'd be going, 
saying, oh, what hypocrisy? I thought she didn't like him. If there's a problem, no, she wouldn't. has so every right problem, him to draw that all the Esther, Esther, am I being unfair or is it weird? Is the problem him talking about it or the opinion he has about it? Because if he praised her for not going to see her father, would, would that be okay? Is the problem that he has an opinion or is he has an opinion you don't agree with? I think it's none of any of our business. They make it our business. They go on national television. And I actually have to say... Talking about all this stuff. they do that to try and clear things up. No, they do it to to promote their brand as a rival royal family. Let's get to the absolute heart of this, Piers. Like, we've all clearly got some quite complicated opinions about the royal family, about Mm. what they should be doing, who should be there, who shouldn't be there. And and yet none of our opinions will make any difference whatsoever. Mm. The royal family do their thing, and it doesn't even matter if the whole country thinks it's awful. Actually, it does. It doesn't doesn't matter. Nothing changes. changes. The only way that it changes is if we get rid of them, have a a republic, and then we can all vote for the Queen. But I don't want to get rid of them. I don't want to get rid of them. I want to get rid of Republicans like you. You could vote her back in if you thought she was so great. It's happened around the world where monarchs have been replaced and then they've had a vote and they voted the we old have, monarch back in. My, in my opinion, you could absolutely do in my it. Opinion, it would we be have, democracy. We have the greatest monarch in the history of this country. I would say the greatest monarch there's ever been but of any that's, country. That's anti-democratic, And I want next week to be Why a celebration of her life. And we don't need do this Republican tarping. But I love why democracy. do you hate democracy? But that's the opposite of democracy. Huh? It's the opposite of democracy. No, it's, it's not. monarchy. She's yes, a, she's it's the opposite. She has no power. She has a figure. She has no executive power. She's taxpayer funded and she's the head of state. You know she goes that tourism, shaking hands with tourism the brings in more Saudi money Arabia than the royal at, 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 96, at 96, would you be roaming this country and dedicating your life in public service to this country? I don't think 96-year-olds should be made for No, but I'm sorry. But if you want to, it's called selfless duty. Look, got a great debate, by the way. Uh, great debate. Come back, come back next week. Let's have more chat about the Jubilee. It's going to be a brilliant week next week. Uh, from Thursday to Sunday, it's going to be a massive celebration of a wonderful woman, a wonderful monarch. I can't wait. I'm excited. The fact is annoying people like Kate so much makes it even more delicious. <laughs> so thank you both very much indeed. Uncensored next. Well, talking of fantastic women who've been around for seven decades at the top of their game. It's not the Queen. It's probably someone, the only person who could match the Queen. It's the glamorous, the glittery, the fantastically irrepressible Dame Joan Collins. We thought it was only fitting that we roll out the first ever red carpet on Piers Morgan Uncensored for the great lady. The Hollywood legend will be here with me after the break. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade.
Well, my next guest is true Hollywood royalty with a glittering career spanning seven decades, awarded the Damehood by Prince Charles for services to charity, her services to charity in 2015. And next week will be part of the Dames in Jags procession at the Queen's Jubilee pageant. I'm thrilled to say Dame Joan Collins. Hello. How are you? I'm great, but I want to congratulate you on having your own show. Thank you. I think it's great. Well, it's lovely to be, it doesn't great. really feel like my own show until you're here. Oh, I feel like you're anointing me. Like It's almost after the Queen, it's the next best thing to a royal visit. Oh, please. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now, you're part of the Dames in Jags. What is this? The Hags in Jags, I <laughs> <laughs> Well, after they... I mean, this thing is going to be so enormous. I mean, so fantastic. It's going... Have you ever been to the um, Thanksgiving, Macy's Thanksgiving yes. parade? It's going to be like that. They're going yeah. to have all these floats. They're going to have um, people dancing and singing and all kinds of people on it. And then we are coming down in these amazing vintage Jaguars Brilliant. open. Uh, I've got a white one and Twiggy's there and Dame Darcy Bussell and um, I can't remember who the others are. You must have it written down somewhere. A great, but yeah, a load of great dames. Well, I think so. And yeah. then we are going to go around waving gracefully, I hope, mm to um, the populace who are going to line up mm. and then we're going to go and hopefully um, go into one of the boxes and watch the rest of it. But it's very exciting because mm. I'm such a monarchist and I'm such a royalist and I love the Queen so much that to have been asked is a, is a great... Is really... you've, been in, you've been in movies 70 years. The oh. Queen has been on the throne 70 years. I know. Oh, it's quite God. amazing. And there you are together. But well, yeah. what are you, she's a remarkable woman, isn't she? She is the most inspirational woman, I think, that ever has lived in my lifetime. Mm. I don't know. I never knew Mother, Mother Teresa or Joan of Arc, mm. but, I mean, they were probably pretty good. Mm. But, no, she is, because she's so uh, down-to-earth and gentle and humorous, and uh, she's got through all of these dreadful things that have happened to her. I mean, they really have been yep. some awful things that she's had to deal with. And she does it with such grace. And the fact that she has never, ever commented on anything that's going no on. No interviews. Nothing. Yeah. But even an aside, because, you know, there are people that are lip-reading mm. and they could say that she said, oh, I think this, this play is ghastly, mm. as we all do when we go to see something. Mm. But the last time I saw her, we had... It was at Buckingham Palace and we were talking about Pygmalion, My Fair Lady, yeah. because some students gave um, a performance, and she's so knowledgeable about mm. the theatre. Mm. And we had a really very nice chat. No, I just love her. She's been a part of my life. I kept a, a scrapbook of her wedding to mm. Prince Philip when I was a, a schoolgirl. We were all madly in love with Prince Philip at school, yeah. you know, because he was so good-looking. She must really miss Philip, don't you think? I mean, well, after, what, 74 years, years yeah. of being married? Yes, well, look at that man who just died yeah. with a broken heart. I know, well, the, t yeah. the story from Texas. I the, know. I mean, imagine, they've got four children. Oh, no. The, the teacher had been teaching there for many years. Oh. She gets shot dead by this lunatic, and then within 24 hours, her husband literally dies of a broken heart. This was his yeah. childhood sweetheart. But oh. Those four kids now have no parents. Oh, my God. It's, it's heartbreaking. It, it's beyond terrible what goes on with these things. I don't understand why if somebody posts pictures of themselves on social mm. media, buying guns, talking about guns, saying, I want to kill mm. people, why they can't be... Why the FBI or the CIA or whoever go after He literally after put them. on Instagram pictures of the two AR-15 rifles. But here's the point. He was 18... And when he turned 18 a couple of weeks ago, he was legally allowed to buy these guns. He went and bought these guns. He couldn't have bought a beer 
That would have been illegal. He couldn't buy a Kinder Surprise chocolate egg. They're illegal in the whole of America because the toys may choke you. Ah. But an 18-year-old boy could buy two AR-15 semi-automatic rifles and then go and do what he did. And it's that inconsistency of the laws which I find so completely baffling. But I always say to people, you and I have worked in America a long time, lived mm-hmm. there. It's, it's embedded in the culture. They have half of the world's guns are in, Amer- in America. Nearly half of the population of America own guns. So you're talking about 150, 60 million people in a country who have guns and therefore support their usage. And they believe passionately that the Second Amendment of the US Constitution entitles them, as ratified by the Supreme Court, to own firearms. Well, I can understand that you might want to own a firearm, Mm. a small Glock or something, but to own two assault rifles Mm. or to own machine guns, that's what I don't understand. And I don't believe that 40% or whatever percentage you said of the population goes along with that. Mm. I think that they want to have a gun and if somebody comes into their property, they can shoot them. But assault rifles? I mean, it's really... What's happening with young people, Joe? I mean, the last two massacres, the one in the supermarket, the white supremacist, and now this one, they're both 18 years old. The Sandy Hook shooter was 20. What is going on with these young men that they're so completely detached from reality and so angry that they want to go and commit these atrocities? Well, I have a theory that young people today are brought up and love violent... um, Movies, violent games, violent. Like Call yeah, of Duty, they, they live on them. They yeah. they're brought up, but from the age of four or five. I think it desensitizes and, them. Of course, it does. It's like porn. The same right, thing. It right. desensitizes, which is why I think that women are being abused so much. Yeah. Um, and I don't understand why that is allowed because mm. Percy and I, we watch a lot of television. And so many things we'd say, we can't watch this. Mm. The whole screen is covered in blood. Mm. You know, there's 4,000 people being killed. And there's the most awful thing, women being abused and Mm. slapped and hit. And it's just not right. It's not what I... I wasn't allowed to see certain movies. Remember, Mm. they used to have U certificate, universal. I wasn't allowed to see anything like that. And I think that's probably... You know, my generation is more... Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. I think the desensitising is definitely part of it. They all seem to be yes, addicted definitely. to violent video games. I think that they're... I think medication. America's a very heavily medicated country. Well, it's not country. just Americans. No, no, but America. I'm saying I don't think they have any more of that than the mo- many countries or, indeed, more mental health issues. What yeah. they do have is mentally deranged people who can get very easy legal access to weapons of war. I mean, when you Mm. see these guns, these are like machine guns. Ah. Machine guns are actually illegal in America, but these are semi-automatic. They can fire a bullet every time you pull a trigger. And obviously, if you're going to buy something like that, you're going to kill somebody. Well, he bought 375 rounds of ammunition. And the guy who was in the shop has has the FBI talked to this guy? It seems completely... Crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Well, thank God it it can't happen in this country. Well, it happened here in Dunblane. In Scotland. But that was how long ago? 1996. Okay. And I was actually and editing stopped. the Daily Mirror well, yeah. at the time. And we, yeah. but you see, Britain wasn't a gun culture country at the time. No. Very few civilians owned guns. Mm-hmm. So it was an easier campaign, really. We all came together, left and right. It wasn't political. I always say this to my American friends. I don't know why politics gets involved with this. This is about saving kids from being shot dead at school. But, you know, we campaigned, we got the laws changed, and we haven't had a school shooting since. America's had 27 school shootings this year. I I can't, you know, I mean, can you imagine being a mother 
and hearing that. No. Or even being a mother now and sending your kids to school and thinking, are they going to be safe? Just, just I mean, you always thought your children were going to be safe I, I actually emailed a, a friend of mine who's one of the dumb blame mothers because every time yes. one of these things happens, I just can't imagine what they go through. And I sent her a note and she replied, a very nice, heartfelt email, but it always takes them straight back when they have this. To, well, of to course what it does. And their and kids never grow up. And, and just what they have to go through is so unthinkable. I think, it's, I think the whole thing is unthinkable and I think the mm. whole thing of somebody mentally wanting to kill children, yeah. babies, which, of course, is what is going on in Ukraine as yeah. well, but we don't seem to talk about that anymore. Well, that's another it. thing, you know, Ukraine's disappearing from the news agenda. I know. Which is what Vladimir Putin wants. Oh, he's he carrying. Does? He's, yeah, of course, he wants us to stop talking about it. Let him just carry on seizing the country. It's just appalling. Which is what he's doing, you know. But is it true that he's very ill? I keep on hearing these rumours. People say that. Yeah. I mean, who the hell knows? All I do know is he is raising cities to the ground, literally destroying them. Worse like, than Hitler. Like he did in, yes, he is. Worse he, than Hitler. He, he's, well, he's, he's, he's up there with Hitler. Yeah, up there. And I think his aspiration is to seize Ukraine and then to try and seize other countries. Oh, of course. And he has Next to be stopped. stop, Finland. Yeah. Norway. What do you make of Partygate, Boris Johnson? You know Boris Johnson. You've been at parties with Boris yeah, Johnson. Yeah, he was my boss once when he was... At the Spectator. When he was a, a yes. Spectator, yeah. Um, what do I think of it? I, I have to say I haven't really uh, gotten involved in it totally, but I haven't exactly seen, you know, fizzing bottles of champagne and lots of and people sitting down. To me, a party is people sitting well, down Well, they had a few big ones. Drink. I mean, he may not really have been... They really did? I haven't read there have been some big ones, and they were vomiting mm. and fighting well, and breaking nice. stuff. Yeah, but I don't, I don't go to parties. But where ultimately, it's vomit. not about parties. What it's about, it's about the fact that they were doing all this, breaking the laws they had made. Yes. And everybody else, including the Queen, who at Philip's funeral had oh, to sit on her own that because she picture. wanted to obey the yes, rules. And the night before, they were partying in Downing Street till 4 a.m., which really? I think is unforgivable. Well, I do too. I think it's terrible. But what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to get rid of Boris. Who are you going to bring in? Actually, yes, I Angela do, actually. I, I do think when a prime minister breaks their own rules and gets fined by the police for it during a pandemic, that's a resignation offence. It used to be. Well, in the old days, men would fall on their sword as yeah. a matter of honour. I don't mm. think he knows how to spell the word. Well, who do you suggest, then, is our next prime minister? Somebody that can restore a bit of integrity somebody, and trust. Somebody. Who's the somebody? There's always somebody. There's never... Every time you think I don't leaders, think there's a no somebody. No leader is irreplaceable. <laughs> No, you, I, I mean, you are, but you're, you're irreplaceable. <laughs> I'm not. Um, I don't know about that. Let me talk to you about another thing. Uh, Wimbledon today has announced mm. that they're removing from the honours board Ms and Miss before the names of previous winners. They want to make it gender neutral. What are your thoughts? I think that's just the way everything is going, isn't but, it? But what, why? what about the men? Well, the men, yeah. they, they just call them, you know, N. Djokovic. I... It's just something that's been going on and it's um, something to me that, you know, since Emily Pankhurst, mm. women have fought, fought, fought for equal rights. So I suppose this is them saying, well, this is equal rights, you know. the well, men What if they say to you, right, you can't be called a dame anymore because it's too female a title? Well, they haven't said that to me. But what if they did? What if they came for your damehood? Well, I just threw it to them. <laughs> you wouldn't. You love being a dame, don't you? I love being a dame. I mean, uh, it's, it's very flattering... In Britain, particularly, because mm. people know what it is. In the rest of the country, they don't know. I mean, mm. in the rest of the world, in America, a dame. The dame <laughs> is, you know, something from Damon Runyon. It's what Frank Sinatra used to call his girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. dame. Yeah, and, uh, of course, in, in Europe, like in France, Percy mm. sometimes says to somebody, it's dame, 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 dame. Yeah, they, they think <laughs> this is... No, I like, 
I like it, of course, but, you know, well, you I'm very old-fashioned. So when, when you see this debate where politicians can't even say what a woman is now, what do now, you make... Now, you... Now. Oh. Now we're not going to get on that subject. I do not approve of people saying that. Of course not, because it's just not fair. It's not right. And um, well, I, mean, what I do is the not answer to wish that question? to get cancelled by the trans community. No. Thank you very much. No, but what is a woman? What is a woman? Me. <laughs> Celia, her over there. <laughs> There's but, plenty of us. I mean, but are you worried that in this trans debate, because I support trans rights to fairness, so and do equality, I, of course. I just don't like the attack on women's rights that some of the activists are driving, where you have in sport this apparent unfairness now going on. I mean, what do you think when you see that? Well, I don't watch sport. No, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, I know what you're talking about, yes. And I know what you want me to say. I don't want you to say I anything. Yes, I never of course you dream do. to tell you yes, what to you say. Yes, you want me to agree with you. No, no, no I, I don't. don't. This is uncensored, no. Michelle. Um, well, of course it's uncensored. I think that a person should be who they feel that they are and who they... But I do believe... I can't say this. I can't you say can. this. No, I can't. Why? You feel because, like you no, can't because you may get I can't, in trouble. I can't because I don't want to get hate mail. You see, but you've gone through your entire career saying exactly what you always think. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I've read I your diary. <laughs> I've never, I've never gotten into the uh, politics of biology. Okay. No, I haven't. Well, I understand why people don't want to go there. Yeah. Well, yes, I don't want to go there. Talking, well, talking about biology. What about Madonna, who's auditioning for a new boy toy? <laughs> You're kidding. She is. No, you've just made that up. No, she's apparently... Really? She wants him to be hard-bodied. What do you mean? Hard-bodied and young. Oh, that's right. We were with her son, Rocco, yeah. uh, last summer. Huh? And he said, you know, my mother says that she will not sleep with anybody over the age of 25. <laughs> I said, no, well, Rocco, you're kidding. Well, that's never been your rule. Has it? No, I don't have rules. <laughs> rules. I'm very happily married. We, 20 years, you didn't come to our anniversary party. I wasn't here, as you know. know. I was in Australia. Yeah, I know, I know. It was a fantastic party. And the great yeah. person, is, as he always is, he's lurking in the wings like a protective oh, knight. Oh, don't say that word, lurking. He's standing Like a protective there. knight, look at him. He's uh, standing. He just got... He saved me from the most embarrassing wardrobe malfunction really? party. Really? Yes, I was talking to Richard Arnold, your friend. Oh, yeah. And he was terribly funny. He made me laugh. And the whole zipper in the back of my dress went. No. And I'm sitting there with completely gaping open. And there's loads of photographers. It was a big party. And I said to Percy, I don't know what to do. I know there was another dress I was possibly going to wear. Because the theme was red, white or blue. Because yeah. it was a jubilee party. So I said... You know the white dresses that I left in the wardrobe. Do you think you could bring it? <laughs> so he went out. Luckily, we don't live too far away, and I changed into another dress. And we were spared. And well, what would it be? Perhaps a delightful incident. <laughs> I had to sit there <laughs> for at least half an hour. I had a huge feather boa, which I kept on putting on Christopher Biggins <laughs> around his neck. He really liked that. And uh, but it was fantastic. Dame Joan, I've got to leave it there. Uh, but it was a wonderful <laughs> interview. It's great to it see you. And I cannot wait to see you in your Jag on Sunday. Uh, yes. The Platinum Jubilee is going to be amazing. Well, yes, I'm going to see you there. See you around. Uh, I'll see you there. OK. Yeah, and in fact, I'm seeing you for dinner tomorrow night. Oh, I'm, yeah. a lucky, I'm a lucky guy. New restaurant. And yeah. dinner with Joan Collins, let me tell you, is hilarious. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Great to see you. And so the next, the legendary West Indies cricketer, Michael Holding, on why sports stars should only take the knee if they truly support Black Lives Matter. That's coming up. 
this week marked two years since Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin handcuffed George Floyd, pinned him face down on the street and fatally choked him, sparking a global reckoning on race and policing. The world of sport was at the forefront of that reckoning, taking the knee inspired by Colin Kaepernick's race protest in America, became a global sporting gesture. But two years on, is taking the knee still having the same impact? Well, joining me now is Michael Holding, one of the greatest cricketers of all time, who says, if you don't kneel... I know where you stand. Michael, fantastic to speak to you. Thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Pierce. Glad to be with you. I read your book uh, a few months ago, and I, I sent a note to you via your agent just saying how incredibly moved I was by the book. It is, without a doubt, the most powerful book about racism and hopeful in many ways that I think I've ever read, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, and at the forefront of it is why we kneel, how we rise. And I think my question for you right now, as we get to a stage where, in football, certain teams now in the Premier League have begun not to take the knee, certain black players, Wilfred Zaha at Crystal Palace and so on, have decided that they're not going to do it anymore because they think it's become ineffective. This debate about whether sporting teams should continue to do it and whether it's still effective is now beginning to, to be had. What is your view? Pierce, as far as I'm concerned, taking a knee should not be a ticking the box exercise. If you believe in what you are talking about, about the racism and trying to change what's happening and trying to make the world a better world, taking a knee is a gesture that has been accepted around the world as, yes, I believe this, I am joining with you, I support you, so I'm signaling to you and everyone else that I am with you. That's what I see taking a knee as. Now, it is obvious that a lot of people do not believe that taking a knee has had any impact at all. Because, yes, you don't want to be just taking a knee and nothing else happens. What's the point of taking the knee if nothing happens? But taking the knee should not then say to you, well, nothing is happening. I can stop taking the knee. Because if you stop taking the knee, that is signaling to everyone, I'm satisfied with what is going on. Everything has changed. I'm happy now I no longer need to take the knee. It is a prerequisite, Pierce, to action. Right. That is what I look at taking the knee as. You know, when I go and watch Arsenal, my football team, I'm always struck by 60,000 people all applaud, all of them. There's never a single boo when the players, many of whom are black in the Arsenal team, take the knee, there's a lot of respect now for it, whereas at the start, there was quite a lot of animosity at certain clubs. Now I feel it's become part of football, and I like that, you know, and I think it is an important part. Here's my other question for you, though. You've had a player at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, it wasn't about taking the knee, but it was about whether he should wear the LGBT colours for, for PSG when they played a game. He's from Senegal... And he decided he didn't want to do that and didn't play. Should players, whether it's taking the knee against racism, whether it's an LGBT uh, protest, whatever it may be, should any players for any kind of sport be compelled to do it? Or what is your view? No, I don't believe anyone should be compelled to do anything like that, Pierce. You, you support it wholeheartedly or not. Nobody should be compelling people to support any cause. If you do not believe in it, you don't support it. That is my belief. I just want to see people acknowledging that things are not right, whatever the issue is. You either acknowledge it and you say, yes, things are not right, and I'm going to support whatever you are doing, 
or you say to yourself, no, I don't believe that what you're supporting is right. I'm not going to support whatever you are supporting. It's as simple as that. I don't see how you can dictate to anyone and say, you have to take the knee right. or you have to wear this shirt or you have to. Do I don't believe in that. I don't believe in forcing people to be supporting things they don't believe in. No, I agree. And I, think, I, think it, I think it has the opposite effect if you do that. Just finally, Michael, do, do you feel, two years on from what happened to George Floyd, that the aftermath of that was so gigantic around the world? There was a real movement, wasn't there, rising up against what had happened. But do you feel there's been substantive progress now in the battle against racial injustice since then? I definitely believe that. I've seen enough for me to believe, Pierce, that there has been action and people have now awake to the situation. A lot of people have been going through their lives. They have been comfortable. Nothing has affected them as far as we have seen is concerned. And they have just drifted along. They have just floated on the tide. A lot of people have now realized that something is wrong and they are willing to join the fight. I have had too much positive feedback from this book that I have written. I've had too much positive feedback from what other people have said and done for me to not recognize that people are coming to see that there's a problem and people are willing to work towards solving this problem. You see, a lot of people used to walk around Pierce and say, oh, I'm not racist. I don't have a problem. I don't have to support anything. I know what I am. But the times of just being not racist are over. You have now got to be anti-racist. You have got to show people that those who are racist, racist are wrong. Yes. And you're going to tell them that they are wrong so yeah. that people recognise that, yes, it's not the way to go. Michael, uh, you brought me enormous pleasure as a cricketer, one of the greatest fast bowlers that ever lived. Uh, you've brought me a, a lot of thought, uh, constructive thought with this book. It's a magnificent book. I urge everyone to read it, Why We Kneel, How We Rise. I think you're a force for such good in this debate because you come at it from a place of love and you just want people to understand what it's about. This book made me really understand it in a way that no other book has done. So thank you for writing it and keep going because we're all right behind you. Thank you very much, Pierce. I hope the book does what I'm trying to do to get everyone, all races, all creeds, to understand that we're all human beings and the world is a much better place if we are all together. We're all humans. Just let us all get together and make the world a better place. Absolutely. Michael, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. On says the next, find out why Kim Kardashian is the new face of the vegan mob and why I'm not buying it. That's after the break. Uh, influencer, trainee, lawyer, reality star, global irritant, Kim Kardashian can now add vegan food ambassador to her list of supposed accomplishments. She's filmed this cringe-making ad for meatless burger brand Beyond Meat. But I noticed something that made me rather suspicious. Take a look. I believe so much in the mission of Beyond Meat that I've stepped in to help with my greatest asset, my taste. This plant-based meat is not only amazingly delicious, but it's also better for you and better for the planet. Yeah. The problem is, if you watch really, really carefully, she well never done. puts any of it into her mouth. <laughs> I've rumbled you, Kim Kardashian. Have you ever actually eaten that vegan gruel? Are you just taking the cash? OK, well, that's it from me. Whatever you're up to, make sure it's uncensored and have a good night.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.